Welcome to the Bait and Switch Podcast. I am Chris Beyer, your co-host as always, and my other co-host is Jim Martin. Hello, everyone. Tonight's guest is Bonnie North. You might know Bonnie from WUWM in Milwaukee, 89.7. That is the Milwaukee affiliate of NPR. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Bonnie is the second person we've had from NPR. In fact, the second person from the program that she co-hosts as well, called Lake Effect. And the other co-host was Mitch Tyke, is Mitch Tyke. And he was here, curiously enough, that was season one, episode eight. And I believe this one will be season two, episode eight. Oh. I like that. I like yeah. that too. Me too. That's nice symmetry there. Yeah, yeah, right. Bonnie, maybe season three, episode eight. Do you have somebody that the news director or somebody you can... I'm s- sure we can work that out. <laughs> yes. We've got, we got a probably a year, right, to round yeah. somebody up. You've mm-hmm. got a whole year. Mm-hmm. Sure. Are we yeah. asking too much? Just nod if we are. Oh, no, I don't think so. Do you feel any, uh, any pressure to uh, compete with Mitch? You know, season one, episode eight, season two, episode eight. I well, mean, this is, is going to be better. Well, of course it is. Sure. Yeah. Season I mean, two. It's How season two. It yeah. But yeah. this is new for you. But then again, you're in radio. You should know what you're doing. Well, and it's Mitch's <laughs> fault that I'm here. Yeah, it's his fault. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and she has not listened to Mitch's episode. No, on purpose. No, yeah, right. On purpose. Oh, yeah. No, she I, wants I, to go in, in cold and, yep. and have her own thing. And That's I like right. that. I like That's that right. style. Yeah. yeah. I know that Bonnie is involved in radio. But... I like to do deep research. Yes, you do. I like to, maybe too much. Maybe I, you know, for my craft, I suffer. Uh, I took a sabbatical from work to prepare for this interview. Okay. It was a three-month sabbatical. Three months. That's a big one. My business has suffered. Sure. And my finances have suffered. But I think I've got kind of a juicy little tidbit about Bonnie that I honestly, I don't think she wants me to know. I don't think she knows I know. The, All right. I don't the, have to pay you to be here, right? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, but I was that that whole financial hardship thing was kind of throwing. <laughs> it me might be. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought that was a hint of some yeah. type. Yeah, I, me right. too. But, right. But I went on the dark web. Okay. Do you know where the, the dark web is? Uh, yeah. Well, you turn the lights off, right? I no? don't know. I had to pay somebody, and they yeah. showed me where the dark web it's, was. Uh, but I was able to glean through nefarious sources mm-hmm. that Bonnie, some years back, was a paleobotanist. And at some point, she was whisked away, kind of mysteriously with her then-boyfriend, an esteemed Dr. Grant, who was a paleontologist. And they went to this island off the coast of Costa Rica, and it was a secretive mission. A mission. And, yeah, and when she arrived there, and again, this I read this all on the web, and you know she can deny it if she sure, wants. It must be true, though. But she was informed by this eccentric billionaire mm-hmm. who had whisked her away there that they had constructed an elaborate, yet-to-be-open theme park and they were seeking her counsel regarding issues involving the theme park. Mm-hmm. The owner of this park had funded the development of genetically created dinosaurs. Really? They were created from blood that they'd extracted from mosquitoes that were trapped in amber. Really? Yes. And it's my understanding that events ensued where there was loss of life. Loss of, really? And yeah. I understand she's not currently at liberty to discuss said events because of a settlement involving a non-disclosure agreement. Bonnie, I know you probably can't address these things. Well, but you just, just said she couldn't, right? Yeah, but just yeah. nod yes or no. I, You're right, I can't. I can't talk about it. So yes, no is what she said. Yes, yes no. no. <laughs> I, um, well, I, that's, you know, uh, that sounds... Uh, uh, it sounds vaguely like a movie theme uh, that I've I've seen 
uh, maybe Jurassic Park. Is that where you? Uh, I'm possibly you get you getting this mixed up with something else. I'm not familiar with that movie. No. No. What, what is it? it it's uh, well, it's a movie about a paleobotanist who went to a small island off Costa Rica, who designed a theme park around dinosaurs extracting their DNA from mosquitoes. Um. Yeah, I mean, it sounds similar. So I, you're saying my boyfriend wasn't Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> well, uh, I, we're, we're, you're not really supposed to say, right? I'm not. Uh, so no, sorry. I shouldn't have even said that much. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I know you're probably just throwing him off. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, yeah. I probably shouldn't have closed I, the office I, for those well, months. Well, uh, you might want to try that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe you want to take maybe a month. Well, you know what? Just give me a couple minutes. I'll go back and look on my main source, which was IMDb, and see if sure. this is true. Sure. Okay. On the dark web. Or maybe the light one would be better. <laughs> yeah. That's... Well, you know what, Jim? I'll let you take over here for just a bit. I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna do a little work, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call the electric company and make sure they don't turn off our power here tonight. Yeah, that, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well, sorry, so, Bonnie. I'll be right back. It's okay. Okay. All right. So, Bonnie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself that you actually can talk about? I did a little bit, little bit of my own research. I noticed you were you started off kind of in the theater. I did. Yeah. Um, I got involved in theater right out of high. Well, I was in kind of theater clubs in high school, but for actual work, I got involved with uh, a then late seventies program called the CETA. It was a training program. It was a government funded tra- program uh, that would take young people, essentially teenagers, they would give them six months or a year training in some sort of craft or some sort of trade. And this one was at Dartmouth College. I'm from the East Coast and from near Dartmouth, actually. I grew up in a little town called Canaan, New Hampshire. So um, I got involved with the Dartmouth College theater department through that program. It kind of launched me into Pretty much everything that I've done now, I, I to me, theater is one of those things that feeds everything else. Mm-hmm. If you know something about theater, you're going to be able to use it no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and it's, to me, not a wasted degree, not a, you know, not a waste of time at all. It was so much fun to do that, and I learned so much. I, I finally went back to school or went to school for the first time when I was 21 and at Penn State and okay. was doing theater. Until I ran out of money, uh, which mm, we all fa- this is a familiar theme to me. Mm, I know, <laughs> I know, and um, and that's when I, we get into things that I can tell you some things about, but not a lot. Which is, I went into the military. More non-disclosure yeah. agreements. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, and security clearance issues. And, sure. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. A lot of, uh, yeah. there's a lot of. There's a lot of things behind the scene with Bonnie. Right, a lot yeah. of mystery. A lot of mystery. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. We hope to draw that out tonight. We'll okay. See. Yeah. So military. Yeah. Okay. Is that the uh, linguist, right? That was the linguist right. part. Mm-hmm. Basically, I went in because they were offering, this was in 1981, and uh, Ronald Reagan had just taken over as president, and he beefed up the military budget, and they were offering a lot of signing bonuses for mm-hmm. people to come in because they wanted to beef up the military. And 
I was looking at a way to pay off school loans that sure. I couldn't figure out how to pay because theater, for all its glory, doesn't pay a whole heck of a lot, unless you're probably Jeff Goldblum. I looked into it, and I thought, well, if I sign up for four years, they'll completely pay off my school loans. And I thought, well, there's a deal. Oh, that's maybe a the, deal. Maybe I'll travel. And I took a test. You have to take this battery of tests when you when you sign up for any of the services. The ASVAB. The ASVAB, mm-hmm. yes. That's familiar. And they... Um, they found out, they said, you know, you you have this great score for languages. And I thought, really? Okay. And uh, and so I signed up and um, picked, I wanted to do Russian because this was the Cold War still. And I oh, thought, sure. everyone will use Russian. Uh, but Russian was like booked out. You couldn't get a spot in the class for like a year. And I knew if I didn't go in when I said I was going to, I wasn't going to do, do it. it yeah. And so they said, okay, here are, your, here are your choices. And it was between Czech and Polish. Did you say Czech, please? Or what did you say? I flipped a coin. <laughs> oh, same. Yeah. 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 Czech, please. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And what is the typical gratuity for Czech a Czech Slovakia. language? 20%? I, I would have to say it's probably well, more like 10%. Yeah. More than now the Czech Republic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know other languages as well? Uh, some German. Uh, okay. Because I lived in Germany for three years, that was that the military got me over to Germany. Okay, and me I was, too. Hey, right. where did you? Where were you? I was at Han Air Base. Okay, you know where that is. I do. It's yeah, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yep. So not very many people know where that is. Were you prevented from going into the east? Uh, Could- yes, I was actually there uh, while I was in Germany. The wall came down. Wow. So that was, uh, but I never did get over to the east but we they wouldn't let prevent me it for a while yeah because yeah, right. we had sure top secret security clearances so we oh, weren't right. allowed yeah. you know to even go um and i just more I, secrets more secrets more secrets yeah, right right yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> it's a at life some point secrets. i do want to get to costa rica but continue <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to get to costa rica too are yeah. we going <laughs> well, well not, not with well, well, he, he, he doesn't have any money here. Yeah, that's right <laughs> metaphorically we're gonna oh, go there okay. in the right, theater fine. of the mind our listeners yeah. will be transported to, 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 to isla noir on the uh, oh. coast of costa rica oh so so you were a linguist there so how did you go from that to uh radio in milwaukee wisconsin Again, a circuitous route, I have this, um, like this parallel career path. It's got the military. Right after I got out of the Army, I went to work for the State Department because I wanted to be overseas still and mm-hmm. went to South, Central America and some in South America and then got out and finished my degree. And so I was back in the Northeast and Vermont Public Radio, they were looking for a classical music host for, for Sunday afternoons. And I thought, well... You know, everyone had told me, gosh, you got this great radio. You should do radio. You should do radio. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a shock jock. I don't, it's not yeah, interesting right. to me. Um, and then this came up and I thought, well, gosh, I grew oh, up with, my dad was a bassoonist. Different. I mean, I okay. know classical music. And so I didn't have a tape. So I put some CDs in front of me and pretended to do a CD show. You know, I just kind of recorded myself saying, and now we're going to hear, you know, you know, Handel's water music played by so-and-so and whatever. And, you know, and I read the weather from that newspaper day and everything. And I just kind of made it up. Sure. I, I, right. You just, know. This is probably what a kind DJ at a classical radio sort station Sort of. Do, yeah. Right? You know, I, I heard WQXR in New York, they you know. Pro- oh, yeah. They probably just like get to the hits. Get right? to, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we just get to the fast <laughs> right. movements? Right. We yeah. don't want any of the slow stuff. <laughs> get to the Mozart. <laughs> Come yeah, that's on, right. let's go. Come the Bach, on. the big stuff. And so I just recorded it on a cassette tape. I sent it in and they called me in and gave me the job. I had no idea 
that it was going to turn into a full-time gig. It took about four, uh, two or three years there before it turned into full-time okay. because they were they were growing and jobs were ch- and they actually created a job that needed to be filled and I filled ended up filling it. But nice, yeah. So I was there seven years. Okay. Yeah. And wow. then and then did you come to Milwaukee after that? Nope. I heard about this gig in the Balkans. They were looking for civilians, but who had had military background. Okay. Translating for aren't the NATO forces. And I got there in 2000, the summer of 2000. Mm-hmm. You know. So now did you have to learn another language? I didn't, although having Czech really helped because Serbo-Croatian is very similar. Oh, okay. Are they all, are they all Slavic languages? Yes. Czech is as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And German is very different than Czech, huh? Yes. German is Germanic and Czech is Slavic, huh? Yeah. Okay. And English is more like German. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Da, it is okay. a Germanic language. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like German and Spanish smashed together. It feels like English. So English yeah. bars a lot. It really. We're does, very yeah. kind of we. Yeah. It's, it's a melting pot. It's a melting pot you language. Know? Yeah. <laughs> they borrow, but do we give back? That's what I want to know. And yeah, we never give them back. And, right. and and then if we do, it's like completely changed. And they go, well, we don't want this. Yeah, that's not the word we gave you. You yeah. broke it. Wait, it's like a string this. trimmer. It's like, hey, you know, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. anymore. Right, right. This, this word is... used to be ours. Now it's broken. Right. Right. And now you want it back. We yeah. want us to take it back. No. no. Yeah. yeah. No, no, we're not taking Taco it. Tuesday. Yeah. We even we even probably use the incorrect word. We probably say, can we borrow that word? Like, you know, can I borrow a Kleenex? No. You can have a Kleenex. I don't want that thing back. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's we true. Know, we know that when we took that word, we're not giving it back. No. <laughs> so I, I interrupted you. You said then from Bosnia or from uh, the Balkans, then where did you go? Spent time in the Balkans, then went to D.C. to finish out a different contract. And then when that was done in 2005, I was done with being in the Beltway. I was like, okay, I've done this. I don't want to be here anymore. And I thought... It might be time to get back to radio. I'd been out since 2000, so it had been about five years. Mm -hmm. And I thought, eh, you know, maybe I should do this. And then this job popped up here, and it said, looking for an arts producer, and where you would interview and talk about the arts and do all. And I thought, well, that's got my name all over it. There you go. And it was the only job I applied for. Oh. To complicate things, my friends back in the contracting world were bidding on a contract in Afghanistan. You'd make a lot of money doing that kind of contracting stuff. And I thought, well, that would set me up. And and so I said, well, sure. Because figuring that was much more of a sure deal than in this. this thing, sure. Because there are a lot of people doing radio who would love to do arts things because it's fun. Yeah. And I thought, they're going to have 800 people apply for that job. My resume will end up on the floor. Right. And, off um, to Afghanistan I go. Off to Afghanistan. So, you know, and but they didn't have the contract yet. So they were in the bid process. Okay. We had such a good you know, proposal. And we thought, oh, this is not a shoe in but it's, you know, it's really good. The company that was doing what we were going to, that we were bidding on, had like, They'd been brought up on some sort of, it wasn't extortion. I forget what it was, but they were mismanaging funds. It was not good. And and so we were thinking, well, they can't possibly choose that company. But of course, they went with that company. It's the government. It's the government. Somebody knew somebody and said, eh, these guys are probably fine. They're all right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so they stole $50 million. It's, it's just like, 50 it's million. Just, yeah. I mean, when you Those look at pallets the, of money, you know. When you look at the whole budget, it's yeah. like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, now Kabul? Being in a war-torn environment, that didn't scare you? Not really. I mean, I was a little nervous more about being a woman alone. I probably should have been more 
concerned about, you know, the IEDs and, and that sort of thing. But I was more concerned about being in a place where, you know, freedom of movement wasn't really encouraged for women. Right. Um, and it's so I was int yeah, interesting that your perspective would be, you know, that, yeah. Like yeah. You said you're not focused so much on dying. You're focused more on I mean, like, we all have that option. Yeah. And being in, in the Balkans, I mean, that was an option too. I mean, it was very much a possibility. They well, still had yeah. a lot of ordnance buried all yep. over Bosnia, particularly not so much Kosovo, but mm. Bosnia was still very dangerous. There were still a lot of places that they were saying in 2000, don't I've go there. Recently yeah. removed the ordinances from this office. So Did you're you? good. You're oh, good. Yeah, which is good. I, well, well, I noticed it, there was a there was a path that I <laughs> yes, followed there was coming a special in. Path. Right, right. Was that so that and I'm make safe. sure you follow it backwards. Back out. Okay. Right, right. right. That was all part of the, the sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. It was Sabbat clearing out the clearing <laughs> yes. out the ordinances. Out the ordinances. <laughs> right. Do some crazy research. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, everybody's got you know spring cleaning to do, and that's yeah. that's yeah. part of my thing. I hope yeah. the clearing of the ordinance worked out better than the dark web research because otherwise we might have some problems but, i'm you know, still not convinced that uh, bonnie's telling us the truth but uh, at some point we're going to get to costa rica here maybe there'll be a gap in a resume for like three years she disappears yeah. and yeah, we'll figure it out talk about mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but then you ended up getting the job you got the gig here at, i did uh, in milwaukee and that was i just passed my 13th anniversary being here wow. yeah Congratulations. when did mitch start a month before me so at some point, both you and Mitch were tapped to develop this new program, right? Well, actually, the way I know it, the program was in existence, although it wasn't called Lake Effect at that point. It was called At 10 because it aired At, at 10. 10. At 10, that's right. I yep. remember this. Yep. And yeah. Mitch was brought in to be the first ever executive producer of At 10. Uh -huh. and, and so Mitch actually was on the... He was sitting in the room when I came to do my interview because he happened to be in town. He'd already been hired. And so they said, you know, we're interviewing someone. You should sit. And and so they offered me the job, I would say, maybe two or three weeks afterwards. Oh, okay. after I went I went back. I was back in New Hampshire at that point. I had sold the condo in D.C. and, you know, was just kind of like visiting friends and an extent i had an extended summer vacation right you know yeah. and this this program that you developed called mm -hmm. lake effect not the lake effect but lake effect mm -hmm. it was developed back in what 2000 it had already been in some form or other it had been around for about a decade okay. oh okay it was called at 10 yeah and it was the same idea and they only did two interviews an hour you know so a half an hour interview and then another that kind of thing and so mitch's mandate was to develop it so we had more segments we had specific beats and that's where the arts producer came in because one of the things that audience research had told them was that people wanted to hear about all of the art stuff happening more in town. bonnie that's what oh, they okay. that's what the uh, research is right, more bonnie right, right. more bonnie yeah. yeah they didn't know that yet but yeah. that's what they that was so the question i was going to ask is from when you guys started till now, how has the show evolved? And is your vision for it back then what it turned out to be, or has it turned into something else? It's evolved a lot in that we have, I think we're a tighter show. You know, we've gotten better at the interviewing part of it. We've also gotten better at putting pieces of it together. There are four full-time people. We're hoping eventually to get five because uh, we really need it now with the web. You know, that's like a whole nother job mm. is to keep all of the segments updated on the web. And um, and so we have the four of us that are there are all doing interviews. Mitch and I do probably most, you know, probably 60% of them. And then Audrey and Joy, who are the other two producers, uh, do others that 
they're interested in and they have expertise in, which is really nice. Uh, but should we book one of them for next year? I, I think like, you should. Think maybe after we're we go. done with this. I yeah. think you yeah. should because then you can talk to the younger generation. They're both in their 20s. This is the next generation of public radio people coming up. Sure. And speaking of dinosaurs, because mm-hmm. I think we were earlier, um, <laughs> you know, it's, there are times I feel like one. Yeah, yeah because it's, it has changed a lot. And I love technology. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just sure. I didn't grow up with it the way people 30 years my junior have grown up with it. And, oh, yeah. You know, and then yep. the kids who are in college who are 10 years younger than these producers, you know, it's, it's even a whole different it's, world. Yeah, right. Yeah. With the digital age and everything. I mean, they do they even listen to the radio anymore? Is it all just. Uh, you I think know, most people on stream. The web and, yeah, yeah stream most people stream it and, yeah. now. Although. They keep saying terrestrial radio is going to die. It hasn't yet. Yeah. Well, yep. you know what? That yep. leads a little bit into a question I'm going to talk about, which is NPR itself. I think you guys are known to have a very fiercely loyal audience. You know, what is this special bond that you guys seem to have at NPR with your audience? Uh, how has that been developed? Um, well, I think the most important thing is to kind of differentiate between NPR, the bigger network NPR, right. and the affiliates like what we are. Okay. People are fiercely loyal to both, but for different reasons, I think. I mean, NPR has one of the biggest national and international news teams going from the U.S. right now. A lot of other places have cut down on particularly international correspondence and that stuff, and NPR has built that out. So people trust all of those, the flagship shows. You know, they trust Morning Edition, and they trust All Things Considered, and they trust the newer shows like Here and Now, which happen in the midday time. They know they're going to get people on the ground reporting what they see, factual, all the things, all of that ethical stuff that NPR stands by. We certainly have that, but I think what makes our listeners loyal here in Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin is the fact that we're representing them. We are telling their stories. You know, we go Mm. out and talk about something that's happening at the Medical College of Wisconsin or something that's happening in this little theater downtown or something that's happening on the North Shore that's really fascinating that people should know about or down on the South Side. Um, And so it's the idea that your stories are as important as what you hear coming from Kabul or coming from Berlin and doing it in a professional way, not just slapdash. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a local story. So who cares if we do good quality audio? That's not it at all. You know, we put all the care and time into it. And I think that's why the audience is so passionate about it. And they know they can trust us. And if we do get something wrong, we apologize and say, we got that wrong. Right. You're not just some podcast that's slapped together. No, you know, know, I hate those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. They're so awful. Yeah, you're right. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. What what percentage of uh, WUWM's programming is locally based, and how much of it is the national? Most of it is national with inserts. Like, so the news, the way the news department works, we have, we have a news side and we have the Lake Effect side. And Lake Effect is the only fully produced out, you know, hour day, hour long program a day uh, that's produced in house. Mm. Everything else is national with local inserts. So what news will do is they'll produce stories that will fit into the uh, morning edition clock or the all things considered clock. So where they put holes, they'll say, okay, from, you know, 718 to 722, there's this four minute thing 
which will will fill with promise. You don't have to cover it, but mm-hmm. if you want to cover, that's the time to it's, cover. Yeah. Okay. And so we do that. That's when, when our reporters will do that. They'll often also get on NPR if NPR wants something that's happening with the DNC coming next oh, sure. year. Right. Uh, it's going yeah, to be crazy. Be yeah. It's going to be crazy. Yep. And we're already in talks with them about how we're going to share resources because you know they're going to be in our studios. Yeah. Oh, sure. All the national folks yeah, are going to be there. Well, it sounds and, like a threat. Yeah. 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 They're going to be in our studios. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the Beeb, you know, because we have uh, connections with the uh, BBC World Service. They connect with uh, WBUR in Boston to do Here and Now and all of that. So okay. you know, they'll be in town as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, I was going to ask one last question before we break for our first half here. And we asked this question of Mitch. How do you take care of your voice? How careful are you about your voice? This is your instrument, obviously. And mm-hmm. so it's something that you probably take very good care of. Yes, I do. Uh, that in my ears. I'm very careful about headphone volume. I, I keep it way low because it's very easy as you get older to lose that high register. And so I'm very careful about that. But for the mm. voice, I do warm ups, hot liquids too. I'm sure you've, Mitch probably said the same thing, you know, hot tea, honey, mm-hmm. lemon to mm-hmm. clear, clear mucus. Did you do uh, warm ups before this show? A little bit. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, it's just sort of saying it's like, mm, mm. of course, now it sounds funny because my voice is breaking. Sure. But um, you start tightening your muscles up, your voice will tighten up and it, again, it hurts your vocal cords. Sure. So right. That's why I usually meditate before the, you know, poem. Mm. All right, let's take a little bit of a break here. We're going to take a five-minute meditation break. I think we should. Can We're we going to turn off the lights. They might go off anyway because of You flesh. haven't paid the bills. <laughs> you haven't paid the bills. <laughs> no, this is not bad. We're just going to turn it off for right. meditation. So. So everybody, let's just do an OM and then we'll come back. Ready? OM. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin along with my co-host Chris Beyer. Tonight is the uh, second half of our interview with Bonnie North of WUWM 89.7, Milwaukee's NPR. She's co-host of Lake Effect. Welcome back. It's great to be here. Thank yes, you for having me. You. Yeah, and absolutely. her co-host is a and former guest of ours, right? Mitch Tyke. Mitch Tyke. Yep, yep. And they have a couple of other people who also contribute. Yeah, that might be future we're, guests. Yeah, right. Oh, I think so. I think Michelle you need to bring them in. Unnamed at this point. Unnamed. Right. Audrey. And Joy. And Joy. Mm-hmm. And Joy right. to get but the millennial we're not gonna... people in here. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Who has been our youngest guest? Uh, what's the youngest person we've had in here? Is it probably, Matt probably Matt. Mm-hmm. Probably Matt. Yeah. And how old? He's 32-ish, maybe. The The Matt Simmons podcast is an interesting podcast. It is one of many of ours that you could actually listen to, Bonnie. You could listen to any of them. You, <laughs> you showed could, up tonight. You, you could. Saying yeah. not to have listened to any of our shows. I, I, I am a bait and switch virgin. Well, I was. That's true. Right. I, I recommend them all. I don't know. Is there anyone there, that you were embarrassed to recommend, Jim? Well, we had there the are, one. but I'm not going to say them. <laughs> we, yeah, I don't know. We did one that was a skit. We took a chance, tried something a little different, a little theater. You were involved in the theater. Mm-hmm. And it's a short one. It's eight minutes. It might be worth your time. I will recommend to our listeners to give it a listen. It is season two, episode two. It's only about eight minutes long, so it's a short listen. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would like some feedback as to whether this is a road we need to go further down or one we need to make a cul-de-sac. I think it's like a brick wall. Brick wall. (laughs) Turn around. I've got got other ideas, but that one we'll Well, see. I don't know. You know, it's a, yeah, well, we can can always try it again. We'll have, we'll have Bonnie (laughs) listen to it. She's the theater person. 
you can tell us. It's only eight minutes. Maybe even before she leaves, we'll lock the door. She has to listen to it. Maybe. And yeah. then she can give us her input Tip on that. Tiptoe around the landmines. As, yeah. yeah if, if we should go in that direction. But we have to take chances. That's true. Bonnie, you, you, you take chances, right? And you're... What is what is the biggest chance you've taken lately on Lake Effect where you guys went outside the box? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you might have to cut out the thinking because I have to think about this for a minute. No, I got to keep it in because it shows how good my question was. <laughs> yeah, because if you really got to think, then I'm doing my job. How, how about this? Uh, have you gotten? A fair amount of negative feedback on a segment that uh, surprised you. Well, not a lot of ne- negative feedback, but there was one uh, when I did an interview with Alex Lasry right after the DNC announced that they were coming here, and he is the son of Mark Lasry, who's one of the owners of Pfizer Forum and the, and the Bucks, and right. he's he is himself a uh, he it looks like he might be in his. 30s or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and he came in for an interview because he was the chair of the committee that got the uh, DNC here. And I asked a question about had he received any pushback from the Wisconsin GOP because there have been a lot of people on record saying, you know, we don't want Wisconsin to be like Milwaukee. We, You know, Milwaukee is kind of like the dog we kick in mm-hmm. in this state. He said, no, you know, actually, you know, people have been really eager to have this happen. It's going to be great economic stuff and all of that stuff. And what I meant was kind of the historic animosity towards Milwaukee, not about the DNC itself. And so somebody actually oh, okay. wrote in and said, you know, everyone thinks this is a great idea and everything. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I didn't ask that question well. I didn't right. make it clear and I said I could have gone back in and edited it out and made myself sound better, but it was uh, an interview that went from beginning to end. I only cleaned up a couple of like mouth noises, people coughing, right. and I thought it wouldn't be right, it would be disingenuous if I took myself out to make myself sound better. Mm-hmm. And I we just do that all the time here. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. In fact, in fact, we'll do that to make us sound better. And you sound worse. Yeah. So Perfect. be prepared for that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I will be. Yeah. And all of that negative feedback. You yeah. know what? Yeah. Actually, this leads me into the topic I was going to talk about, which was editing. You know, initially, when we started doing this a little over a year ago, uh, I was listening to the raw footage that we had, and it was painful to listen to my own voice. Eventually, I got used to it. It wasn't so bad. Now I'm grown to hate Jim's voice. Jim's voice yeah, is the my one. My voice is the one that's bad. He's the yeah. one that bothers right, me. Right. Me but, too. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, now you've been in radio long enough. Is listening to your own voice, is that any bit of a problem anymore? Are you used to it? Is it does it still Completely jar you? Completely used to it. Yeah. Completely used to it now. It's as if I'm listening to, when I'm editing, it's like I'm listening to somebody else. Okay. Right. Because, because it doesn't sound like you. I it mean, really doesn't. You, no, it no. doesn't. Yeah. You think that's what I sound like? Yeah. Really? If really? People listen to that? If, if that's people, what I think. Like, yeah. People, really? People want to listen. People actually want to talk to me. Maybe they don't. They're just being polite <laughs> for me. Just being nice for you. It's yeah. probably fine. You have a, a very beautiful voice. Well, but thank me, you. Not today. As Chris but... <laughs> mentioned, it's horrible. Well, and it's true. You just you you sort of disassociate, and it's one of the reasons why. When and I don't know if Mitch mentioned this when he was on. When we have guests in, unless they are used to hearing themselves through headphones. We don't let them wear headphones. I do have a question about the headphones, and this is something I should probably know after doing this for, what, a year and a half? Uh, Why do you wear headphones? Yeah. It's mostly to check your level. Okay. That's what I thought. And, you know, particularly if you're out in the field, if you're doing a live recording out somewhere 
and you don't have headphones on, you can't tell if that machine over there is really interfering. You, out you can't tell. Yeah. And so, but if you're listening to what's actually coming through the microphone, that helps you. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you'll hear, you'll see people, and now with the earbuds, a lot of people will use those. Um, but the over-the-ear ones cut out more ambient sound, so you get a cleaner idea of what's coming through the microphone. Okay. But your You'll see people with one on and one off. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and DJs. DJs will do mm-hmm. that, too, because then what you're getting is you're you're hearing yourself and you're monitoring through one ear, but you're also getting what the room sounds like in the sure. other. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're our own engineers, just like you are. We have, a, we have a mixer, yeah, and it's like it's got maybe four four microphone pots on it. Okay. And, like, okay. Yeah. So, so pretty much we have the... I mean, we could pretty much. We have the makings for yeah. our own NPR. Yeah, you right. could have you could have pirate radio here, man. Is this uh, in is the this dark web? In the dark web, <laughs> yes. Is yeah. is the NPR affiliate saturated in Milwaukee area? Can we become our own NPR? Well, with Tosa's NPR. I think you should. I think you should. We there's more. You know, there's right. Delafield's got one. Delafield's that's Wisconsin Public Radio. Yeah. 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 The, and it would cost millions of dollars to buy it at this point. I don't mm-hmm. even know what it would cost to buy. Yeah. To buy that, and I mean, we uh, start saving. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, maybe if you sell some of those IEDs that you take there off. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's true. Yeah, that. You have to stop taking time off work, though. Yeah, that's true. Because well, you're, not, you're never going to have enough money to buy that license. It's cutting into the kitty. That's true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Our uh, Actually, our charter here as a podcast is that we, we're we not a nonprofit. We're we're supposed to lose money here, and we have been losing money. Oh, perfect. Right. And right. that is part of... So you're, you're, basically your mission is being fulfilled. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, and he sort of had to go on the sabbatical yeah. <laughs> just to make sure that you know we were still uh, right. What do, yeah. what do we call ourselves? A mega profit? Yeah. It's a yeah. it's a money like losing that. proposition. Yeah. We have no uh, no pledge drives here. Mm-hmm. No. You That's, don't want the money. Yeah. No, we don't want the money. Well, we no, don't. because then we have to spend it, and yeah. we have to go back in the negative again. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if people give us money. In the red podcast all the time, right? Yeah, of course that's one Full of the. Mm. Of course, yeah. that's one of the things they talk about when they talk about NPR is uh, pledge drives. How often do everyone's they do pledge, favorite? Time. How often do they do pledge drives there? Mm. We do them quarterly. About we just did one that was actually very successful. It was a one day drive. They managed to get a, a bunch of. Listeners, big donors, board members, all of that pooled a whole bunch of matching money. And so they said, okay, we have a $30,000 matching grant. If we get $30,000, we're going to do it in one day. And then we've done it. We we won't do the four or five days of, of fun, of pledging and all of that. Wow. And we did. Really? It was fantastic. And I said, well, there's a lesson. Yeah. (laughs) Do it fast. You know, just big. punch it, do it big, and then say we're done, and thank you very much. Okay, well, uh, uh, I'd like to say that we've had some uh, Feedback. some questions come in from the studio audience. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jim uh, has got uh, some his wife and friends that are avid listeners of WWM, correct. and they know that Bonnie is here now in the studio. So this is kind of our first call-in or text-in segment. Uh, Jim, go ahead. Right, Let's hear right. Some there's of these uh Who's the most interesting interview you've had? And then who was the worst? Excluding tonight's podcast. Right. right well, right, right, not right. excluding present company. Um, <laughs> Alan Alda was oh. probably one of my favorite interviews ever. And I 
got to interview him twice because he had two different books in the studio interview sitting as close as we are and I had such a crush on him in the 70s. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, how am I going to interview this guy? I'm going to be like, hi. And he was everything you would hoped he would be. Okay. Very genuine, really listened to questions, really had a conversation. And so he was wonderful. Tommy Chong was another one who was... Cheech and Chong? Cheech and Chong. And it was an in-person. He was in town... This, again, was about a decade, maybe 12 years ago now. Uh, But we were talking about comedy and life and all of it. It was one of those things where I just never wanted to turn the microphone off. I could sit here and talk to this guy all day. It's like, who who knew, you know, that this guy was going to be that interesting? Um, For local people, I just did a fascinating interview with two artists who have a show that's opened up in a new gallery down on West St. Paul Street. Um, called On Belonging, and uh, one woman's name is Nirmal Raja. She's an immigrant from India, has been here about 30, almost 30 years, and is a, an artist of uh, various disciplines. And then Lois Bielefeld, who's from here, and a photographer, a brilliant photographer. And we just had the most amazing conversation about what it means to be an American and how how that feels and how you approach that as an artist, how do you represent what that is? The famous people are fun, and it's like, oh, that's really great. I got to talk to Alan Alda. It'll be one of those things I will go to my grave remembering that I got to have that conversation. But it's really the people here that are ultimately the most interesting. Yeah, Let me give a a spin a little bit on Jim's question, which is it's going to be hard to name somebody that was not good because you don't want to do that. But what about a situation without naming names? Have you had somebody come in uh, angry or, or mm-hmm. inebriated or has there been a situation where things were going off the rails? Yes. And it's the times when you think, thank God this isn't this isn't live because no. I would have just had to cut the mic. Mm. And I quite honestly do not remember their names. There was more than one. Mm-hmm. This was a long time ago, uh, probably a decade or more. Somebody had done this film about this Milwaukee person, the PR person called me up and said, hey, we can offer you the the guys that this film was made about. Would uh, you be willing to talk to him? And I said, sure. Yeah, yeah, That's kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah you'd mm-hmm. think that would be great. Mm-hmm. They came in, and I don't know what drugs were involved. I don't think it was alcohol. I think it was something else. And I think there was also some mental illness happening. It's like you could scrape them off the wall. And one of them had brought his, I don't know if she was his wife or longtime partner. They were obviously, had been together a while. And she kept interrupting and saying she wanted to read her poem now. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I I remember I finally got them out of there. And I went back and I (laughs) went to Mitch and I said, it's never airing. You're welcome to listen to it, but it should be deleted. (laughs) You know, and That's I think great. he listened to about the first two minutes and went, "Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this, never. This is there's no work. no editing in the world right. is going to make this intelligible." Yeah. Um, Was there any confrontational person where they, they got, you know, where you're afraid of them? No, no. I have to say that. Uh, that's never happened. No, okay. I That's have good. had people yeah. come in, and, and again, it's been rare where they come in after making the effort to arrange the interview and then come in and say, "Well, I don't want to talk about that." Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, I, uh, well, Jim's oh, got another yeah, question. Right, right, right. Oh my gosh, we got more questions. Just, they're pouring in. They're pouring in now. My my wife is in here. <laughs> what ticket in town would cause her to use her NPR poll? Do you know who I am? So what? What? T- <laughs> <laughs> I can't really use that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean the ethics rules really kind of say, well, no. The way we figured it out that you know, manages the ethics rules and and isn't a conflict of interest is if a theater offers me or a band offers me a band, I'm free to take it if I wish to. Okay. But it's got nothing to do with it can't be quid pro quo. It can't be like we're going to cover you and then, oh, you're going to give me tickets. Right. Um, And so I never ask. (laughs) Now, okay, so that was ticket to go see a show. I'm thinking about Police officer pulls you oh. over ticket too. I just never like. Do, you're do you're do you assuming what, that I break yeah. the law. Do you I know who me. I am? Ticket that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think, uh, I think policemen are, are, are big NPR listeners? Probably not. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. then you say, "Do you know who I am?" And they say, "No, There's no, no." Yeah. And then you say, "Okay, let's proceed <laughs> as normally, as normal, yeah. as, yeah. as if I didn't say what I just said." I haven't said. gotten your license yet. So, yeah, no, right. Yeah. So no, I didn't have my no registration. Idea who you are. Yeah. So, look at this list of questions. We've got this list. Okay, so. um Here's another one. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, so our friend Catherine, her daughter has a question okay. for you. Ella, her name is. And how old is Ella? Ella is uh, going to be 10. Okay. Yeah, in July. Oh, we've got a young, we got a young, young demo going right, on here right, tonight. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ella wants to know what radio show you listen to other than your own. A radio show that I absolutely love and I don't listen to it often enough is a Radio Lab. Oh, that's a good one. Radio Lab is mm-hmm. to me not only do they talk about fascinating science and interesting things, but they also do it in such a radio way. They use music and sound effects and the whole medium uh and there there that was an interview that was fa- I got to interview the two of them. Oh, really? They came okay. to do uh, a, a thing. Show. I a saw show, their show. Yeah. At the Riverside. That's the mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah. And this is an NPR show. When is it when is it broadcast? It's on the weekend. It's on the weekend. It's on okay. one of the weekends sure. uh, slots and um I it's moved around and I don't remember where it is now, which is probably why I haven't listened to it more. I I tend to listen to it on the oh, computer sure. or something. Okay. Uh okay. So let's see. Um and they got a bunch of them here, so let's just hit a couple of them. Uh, well, I'll read some, and you tell me what you want to answer. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee has such a grassroots art scene. Yep. What do you think created or contributed to that? What do you think uh, radio as a medium provides that TV doesn't? Okay. What makes an interview interesting? Just uh, 10 more, Okay. Jim. Just 10 more. The last one is Curly, <laughs> Curly or Shemp. So uh, let's go with... Uh, the third one. What's the third one? The grassroots one? Yeah. What, yeah. what about the yeah. Milwaukee, the Milwaukee grassroots and, art scene? And let me just ask this question. I think every town, you know, whether it be Kansas City or Louisville, probably says the same thing. Is Milwaukee extra arty? And if it is, what makes it so? I think, well, having not been to every single city in the United States, I have to qualify that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the size, I mean, Milwaukee is 600,000 people. And then Greater Milwaukee is, what, 1.2 million or something like that. Mm. It's not very big when, no. you, when you think about And I think, as my British friends say, we punch above our weight when it comes to uh, all kinds of arts. And from music, I mean, the music scene here is really amazing from everything from, you know, just punk and hard rock and all of that. 
there's a great jazz scene here. It's kind of underground right now. But what about are... the podcast scene? Holy I cow. was getting there. I was <laughs> sorry. getting there. Sorry, Jeez. I stepped on, I stepped on your stepped joke. On it. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, the theater scene has always been big here. You've got all of this sort of avant-garde theater that started. You've got a lot more mainstream. I mean, the rep, even when I was doing theater back in the 70s when I was first starting, the rep was known around the country as one of the best regional theaters in the country. Comedy sports. Comedy sports. Is, here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I think the very first interview I did on Lake Effect was a comedy interview. Somebody was appearing at Comedy Sports, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I had no idea that was here. Yeah. And um, I took classes there, but did the you? You can probably tell. I can. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, why I think, I think it's because Milwaukee doesn't think it's world class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say this as somebody who's lived here now 13 years, comes from the East Coast, and looks at it still from an outsider perspective, because I didn't grow up here. Mm-hmm. It's a chip on our shoulder kind of thing. It, it's Maybe. not even so much a chip. I'm th- I think it, for the longest time, nobody thought Milwaukee was ever going to be uh, world class in much of anything. Mm-hmm. So it gave people the freedom to just do what they wanted and explore and create amazing things. We have an incredible visual arts scene here. People mm-hmm. doing, I mean, photographers here. And Myad is an amazing resource, uh, the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. Sure. I think it's that. I think it's the little engine that could. And it, it's also a relatively inexpensive place to live. Oh, sure. So artists can afford it. Yeah. And how you about know. how about this? Maybe the cold weather. That too. You got to stay inside all that mm-hmm. time. You got to do something. Got to do something. Yeah. Might as well yeah. draw. Or Might draw or, or practice or, or you know. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you think radio as a medium provides that TV doesn't? That's yeah. That's a great question. Radio allows the listener to be part of the story because. A good friend of mine who trained me at Vermont Public Radio and still is a good friend, she she calls it a brain-to-brain and a heart-to-heart connection. So if if it's kind of like close your eyes and tell me a story. And visual images, I think, tend to dictate. But if you're painting a st- words, if you're using words to paint a story, you're using sound effects, it allows the listener to kind of be kind of right on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I think they become, I know I do, when I listen to a story that affects me and I'm really pulled into it, I feel like I'm there Mm -hmm. in a way that TV just doesn't do. I love television. I got nothing against television. But it's a very different, it's more, I think radio is more intimate. There's that whole idea of the the book is better than the movie, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the book is better because you're coming up with the images and you Mm -hmm. are the one that fills in all the gaps. Mm -hmm. I remember back during, I think it was the second Gulf War, had the radio on and they were talking about this skirmish that was happening. And it was just when the the war was getting started. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, this is something I'm, I'm filling in all the gaps. And at some point I went on the TV, I thought maybe I'll Turn it on. Maybe they got the same thing going on there. And I turned it on, and it ruined it for me. I turned it oh, on, really? and all of a sudden it was boring. You know, this yeah. this yeah. thing in my mind, the way the radio announcer was describing it, was far more interesting than seeing the pictures. Yeah, it allowed you in. Yeah, yeah. It'll, and that, and again, talking about theater being theater does the same thing. Live theater does that in a way that the movies don't, because oh, sure. there's an immediate 
in the moment reaction to what's happening mm-hmm. on stage. Um, right and it's there with them. Right there with yep. them. And, you know, and, and you, the audience member or the radio listener, um, you're part of that story because you're making those connections. And, and that's what, if we're doing our jobs right, that's what we allow people to do. We, we let you into places that, you know, you might not get to otherwise. Well, uh, let me ask you, we're uh, getting closer to the end here. We're at the segment of the show uh, for plugs. Now, we've already announced oh. your uh, your name of your show, but let's have you describe what you do and where you do it. Okay. Well, Lake Effect is an hour-long daily news and culture magazine is what we like to call it. It's a radio magazine. We talk to newsmakers. We talk to artists. We talk to scientists who are doing interesting things. We talk to interesting business people who are doing stuff in the community, uh, social services. There almost hasn't been a topic that we haven't covered on Lake Effect at some point, telling the stories that you might not know about. And it's at 10. It is at 10, even though we changed about, the name. Do you ever think about calling it at 10? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's, it's, it's an idea. It's, it's an Don't idea. Don't just dismiss yeah. it out of hand. I won't. I won't. Okay. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, one thing I, I want to get in the habit of here, Jim, is I want to ask our guests, is there anything you're dying to get out here tonight? Th- that is funny because the one one question where I was like, oh, I, I, I wanted to get this one in. That was my question, not our listeners from everywhere. It's my show. It's my questions. Uh, is, was there anything you, uh, you you think your listeners would like to know that might not be prominent public knowledge? It's kind of along the same lines. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, like her PIN number? or What's your internet? Uh, yeah, internet password. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Your, your, your listeners would be interested. You're not interested in giving that out. But we want the scoop. Yeah, Either the routing number or the account number. One or the other. You don't have to give them both. And then out. you can fill out in the yeah. blanks after <laughs> yeah. that. At, okay. least, at least don't do them right next to each other. You know, yeah. wait a couple of minutes and then give the next one. <laughs> okay. Later. It's Even. not a highly listened to program. so It <laughs> should be safe. Yeah, I think it's safe. Yeah, just go. It's probably fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. one thing we do, and you would know this if you listen to our program... You had like three, four weeks to kind of prep for this. I did. I took three months off of work right, right. to prep. We can't bother you to listen for 20 minutes to yeah. our show, Mm-mm. but you would know how it ends if you would listen to it. And how it ends is we do a countdown. I hope this isn't too difficult for you. We'll go three, two, one, and then Jim will put in the music and post-production, and that'll end the show. So anyway, let's all do it together. Here we go. Three. three. Two, one. Music. Well, Bonnie North. Bonnie North, thank, thank you very much for yeah. Oh, my in. gosh. This has this been thing. such a pleasure. I'm yeah. so glad. Was, we'll, uh, have to do it again sometime. I'd love to do yes. it again yeah. sometime. That'd be great. And I'll listen next yes. time, I promise. Just just to the eight-minute one, though. I don't really have time for <laughs> anything else. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Give it a listen. <laughs> Give your own one a listen, all right? Just oh, do that at least okay. for us. She doesn't all listen right. to her own show. I don't listen to my own show. Come on. All right. Well, anyway, good night. Good night. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for our interview with veteran Milwaukee Journal Sentinel columnist Jim Stingle when he lays out his plan to contain out-of-control health care costs. What about a positive one that connected with people oh, of recent? I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a woman who uh, whose dog um, diagnosed her cancer. I mean, there was a woman who's... Oh, with the sniffing or something? Yeah, the, the, sniff, okay. the dog figured out that she had cancer, and then it also figured out when the cancer came back, and... Hmm. One day the dog lay out a treatment plan too. Or? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was all covered <laughs> under the. Yeah. The dog was in network. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well.
You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.